Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 says this. Of course, I read, am reading in the English Standard Version. And without faith is it impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith Noah, being warned of God by concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. And uh, tonight, or this morning rather, let's, let's, let's not get ahead of myself, this morning, I want to preach to you a very simple uh, passage, build your own ark. Build your own ark. And so we're going to look at the life of Noah as we do that. You can be seated in Jesus' name. It's amazing when you begin to examine stories that perhaps you've known ever since you were a kid, hearing Sunday school stories and Sunday school lessons. Noah and the ark is one of those common scriptures. It, it tells us that man, of course this is if you will, close to, relatively speaking, close to the beginning of time, man is multiplying on the face of the earth. The Bible says that daughters were born to them, and the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive, and they took as their wives any they chose. And if you've been around any type of theological uh, uh, arguments, there's about a billion different ways people examine that. Let me tell you what I believe it is. And, and the Bible exposition commentary says it like this, that... It was that the godly line of Seth and that, that, that had been called the sons of God were beginning to mix with the ungodly line of Cain, the daughters of men. And it's really, to be honest, and this is a whole other sermon, but it's the, it's the same thing that we face in this world today. It's the temptation to abandon our devotion to the Lord, to be friendly with the world. And, and I hope you understand what I mean by that. James chapter 4 and verse 4 says friendship with the world is enmity with God. This doesn't mean you can't be friends with your neighbor. It doesn't mean that you can't be friends with your co-worker. But there has to be a separation between us who have been born again and the way that this world is going. I want to be different from the, the, the path that the ungodly take. I want my life to be different. I'm, I'm just a, a traveler. I'm just somebody journeying, journeying through this life. This world's not my home. I'm just passing through, as the old song says. But if you become friendly with that world, then it's pretty uh, quick that you love the world. And the Bible says if you love the world, then you love not the things of God. Again, that doesn't mean that you can't love what's going on. You just can't love the, the way this world goes. And then, of course, if you love the world, Romans 12, 2 says that it won't be very long before you're conformed to this world. You're molded into the same image that this world that's lost and dying and going to hell is. And I'd rather be separated from this, if you will, I would rather not be condemned with the same judgment that this world is being condemned with. But the Lord said in verse 3 of Genesis chapter 6, that my spirit shall not abide with man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. I'm going to tell you tonight, this morning that I might... Uh, shake some of your, your preconceived ideas of the story of Noah. It's amazing what happens when you really start studying something you thought you knew. And this 120 years is not necessarily as I have maybe even spoken of that, that God was not going to let people live long like you know they did 900 years. Uh, you can see the lineage of Adam. They, they lived a long time. But 
but it's not necessarily that man is going to now have a shortened time span of 120 years to live, but rather it seems to indicate that God said my spirit is not going to contend with. That's the King James Version. My spirit is not going to be with, dwell, or remain with this world forever. And so I'm going to give them about 120 years and then I'm going to destroy the earth. I'm going to give them 120 years before a flood comes. The Lord had saw, verse 5, that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and every intention of the thoughts of his heart was on evil continually. And the Lord regretted or repented, if you will, that he made man. And it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man of whom I've created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of heaven. I'm sorry that I even made them. It gets to where... Uh, the, the, the progression of sin is not just that old Satan walks into the garden and tempts Eve and, and, and she falls to his, his wiles and, and, and temptation and sins, but now mankind doesn't even need a tempter. Mankind is just every thought, every, every thought in his heart is on evil continually. They're figuring out, I think it's Romans that says, they're figuring out new ways to sin, devise new ways that they can, they can walk away from God. And, and you have that, that, that dire statement, that scathing indictment of the world. And by the way, it's the same indictment that you could put upon this world in 2018. But in the midst of that horror, in the midst of that, that, that seemingly completely negative statement, verse 8 pops out, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That as God put his eyes on this whole earth, that, that, that as the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great, there was one who caught God's eye, Noah. May I be one that catches God's eye. May I be one that as God looks over this America and looks over the slide that America is in and looks over where we are, may I be one that God fixates on and says, ah, Brandon Buford finds grace in the eyes of God. It goes on to say the generations of Noah, he was a righteous man, verse 9, blameless in his generation. Was he without sin? Absolutely not. But there was a hunger, a relationship that he had. Noah walked with God. He had those three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The world was corrupt in God's sight, filled with violence. And he saw all of that. And so God said in verse 13, God said to Noah, He said, Noah, I've determined to make an end of all flesh. For the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Here's what God said. If you remember a couple Wednesday nights ago, I preached on intercession. And I talked to you about the secrets that God has and those secrets that those who are in a relationship, a connection with God, those, if you will, who are in God's inner circle, He likes to tell you His secrets. He likes to tell you what He wants to do. And then you can pray. And Noah was a man who knew the secrets of God. For God told Noah, I'm going to destroy the earth. There is a day of judgment coming for this world. There's a day of judgment that, that is happening. But Noah, you know about it. So here's what you need to do. Make an ark of gopher wood. Make an ark with rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch or tar. Make it of the length 300 cubits. Make its breadth 50 cubits. Make its height 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark. Finish it to a cubit above and set the door of the ark on its side. Make it with a lower second and third decks. This was the key to Noah's salvation. 
build an ark. Build an ark. The, the crux or the, the determination of the sermon comes. I, I, I think it was Brother Anthony Babb sits on the front row. If it wasn't him, it was uh, uh, Brother Matthew Neely. Both of them are teaching P7 clubs in their school. And they were, they're both going through uh, exploring God's Word Bible study. I think that's phenomenal that at two of our high schools, and there's some other P7 clubs that are going on, and they're teaching some other material, but at two of our high schools, there's an exploring God's Word Bible study going on. I love it. But I think it was Brother Anthony Babb. He, he came to me and he said, he said Brother Buford, uh, I, I'm looking in the Bible, and, and was Noah a preacher? Where does it say that Noah tried to convince people to get on the ark? And I'm going to be honest, my wife and I, we preach a, a children's sermon, and, and we do it. We talk about Rahab, we talk about Noah, and we talk about how Noah was trying to get people in the ark, and they didn't get it, and I've even preached it here. You've got to stay on the boat, but can I mess up your thinking for a moment? Uh, I'm probably still going to preach it because it, it works, but it's not exactly perhaps true. I'll tell you about that in a minute. The Lord said, I want you to build this ark. I'm going to bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all the flesh. But I'll establish my covenant with you, Noah. And you shall come into the ark. You, your sons, and your wife, and your sons' wives. And Noah did it. He did all that God commanded him. And then in verse, chapter 7, verse 1, the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, all of your household, for I have seen that you are righteous above all other generations. And so it is that the story goes, Noah gets in the ark, his family, all of the animals, God shuts the door of the ark and for seven days nothing happens while they are cooped up there and then it begins to rain, 40 days and 40 nights. And then for a long time they had to, to float there as waters from the deep and waters from the heavens either fell or exploded out of the earth and filled the earth until every mountain was covered, every thing that was not able to live in the water died except those on the ark. And I've thought about that because, again, I, my assumption, and, and, you know, it's really wrong when you assume things. And sometimes we read the Bible and we read things that may not exactly have been there. And, and I don't know, I can't find anywhere in the Bible that Noah tried to get anybody to come on that ark. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, without faith it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe he exists and he rewards those that seek him. That's our text. But watch what it says. By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning the events unseen, that by this he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. There's four things that happened and those four things must be applied to your life and my life. Number one, God warned Noah that destruction was coming to the earth. God said, Noah, there, uh, this world is not long for the, 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 you know, being here, and so destruction is coming. Number two, Noah believed. He had faith. He believed the words of God. He believed that what God said is going to come to pass, regardless of how long it may have taken to unfold. I can't exactly put the chronological timeline together, but, but we, we, we know that... that uh, Noah was 500 years old when his sons were born. We know that he was 600 years old when the floods came. We know that there was 120 years that took place between God saying, I'm going to destroy the earth. And so that's a long time to exist and build an ark and 
get it going, not only did God, not only did God tell Noah what was going to happen, not only did Noah believe that God, what God said was going to be true, but number three, Noah act, acted on his faith. Because faith without works is dead. You can't say, Lord, I believe you're going to destroy the earth and then do nothing to save yourself. The only way that Noah's faith would be ultimately uh, 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 fleshed out is if he acted on what God said. And so he began to build the ark that was going to be he and his family's salvation. He followed the word of God. And he was the only one who built that ark. He was the only one who, who, who got it. There, uh, and his action of salvation condemned a fallen and unrepented world. So if you'll give me a moment to kind of rearrange your, your paradigm and understanding of the ark, I want you to re-examine Noah's actions. Again, I, I got to confess, I sort of always thought the ark was available for others to get in, but when you begin to read the word of God, it doesn't indicate that. But hang with me. I'm going somewhere and it makes all a lot of sense. I'm not trying to preach false doctrine or try to get you all confused, but just hang with me. Don't get off the boat before we get there, pun intended, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to where we need to go. Let's revisit some crucial scriptures. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7. I know I've read this is the third time I've read it. Hopefully it's sinking in. By faith Noah being warned of events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of, of his household. It was for his family. Genesis chapter 7 and verse 1, the Lord said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your household. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 14, make yourself an ark of gopher wood. If it will, I don't find a place where God allowed or gave a chance for anybody else to get in that ark. In fact, the only place that it ever mentions that Noah preached is found in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4. And it says that if God did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, or the King James says a preacher of righteousness with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. And if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what was going to happen to the ungodly, and he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked. Here's the point I'm trying to get to you. Noah's ark wasn't going to save just anybody. Ezekiel chapter 14 is just one of those places that as you begin to, to, to delve into the story of Noah, and especially if you get a concordance and you type Noah in there and you try to find every place in the Bible that Noah is mentioned, Ezekiel is one of those that pops up that I had never connected together. The word of the Lord came to me, Ezekiel said, verse 12 of Ezekiel 14. Son of man... When a land sins against me by, by acting faithlessly, and I stretch my hand against it and break its supply of bread and send famine upon it and cut it off from man and beast. So God's promising destruction. Even if these three men were in it, Noah, Daniel, and Job, even if they were in this land right now, they would deliver but their own lives by their righteousness, declares the word of God. 
If I cause wild beasts to pass through the land and they ravage it and make it desolate so that no man may pass through it because of the beast, even if these three men were in it as I live, declares the Lord God, they would neither deliver sons nor daughters. They alone would be delivered, but the land would be desolate. It's almost as if the Lord says, you know what, I saved uh, Lot and his family out of, of, of Sodom and Gomorrah. But at the end of that story, only Lot was the only one that, that, that kind of made it. He drug his family out against their will, so to speak. I, I brought Noah's family out with Noah, but look at what happened after they get out of the ark. And there's some ungodly things that took place. And then he goes on to say in verse 17, If I bring a sword upon the land, say I let a sword pass through the land and cut it off from man and beast. Though these three men were in it as I live, declares the word of God, they would deliver neither sons nor daughters. They alone would be delivered. Or if I send a pestilence into that land and pour out my wrath upon it with blood to cut it off from man and beast. Even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, declares the Lord God, they would, ne would deliver neither son nor daughter. They would deliver but their own lives by their righteousness. What I want to preach to you this morning is something very simple. It's Noah can't bring you into a place of salvation. Noah's ark can't save you. That ark was something he built. That ark was something he created and so let me give you two crucial scriptures that help back up what I'm trying to say Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12 therefore beloved as you have always obeyed so now not only in my presence but much more in my absence work out your own salvation with fear and trembling or Acts chapter 2 and verse 40, it's the ending of Peter's uh, 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 sermon on the day of Pentecost. With many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. What I want to tell you today is Noah built an ark. But if anybody else was going to be saved, they were going to have to do something. They weren't going to get to be able to just waltz in on somebody else's building program and say, hey, I'm glad you built an ark. Let me slip in. You did all the work and you followed all of God's words. Let me just jump in. The Bible teaches you and I, you got to work out your own salvation. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 36, and I hope you have your Bibles. This is one of those that you need to turn to. I know it gets put up on the screen, but this is one of those places that you need to, to, to know where it's at. Because if God said, I'm going to destroy the earth with Noah's generation, then you and I need to understand God's going to destroy the earth of our generation. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 36 Concerning the day or the hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as it was in the days of Noah, their hearts were on evil continually. Their hearts were imagining continually. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. As in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered in the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them away. So shall the coming of man be. Two men will be in the field, one taken, one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one taken, one left. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know what hour or day your Lord is coming. But know this, if the master of the house had known what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and not let his house be broken into. 
Therefore, you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. I feel like through God's Word, He's let you and I in on a secret as well. If you've, if you've read His Word, if you've listened to any preaching, if you understand anything, you've got to be ready. The destruction of the earth and the punishment of mankind is coming. We have it all the way at the end of, uh, of, of Noah getting off the ark and the rainbow. And he said, I'm going to make a promise to you, Noah. I'll never destroy the earth by, by a flood again. But it says that now it's not a flood of water you and I got to be worried about. But that the heavens are reserved. And at one point, he's going to release them. And when he does, the earth is going to melt with a fervent heat. It's not going to be a flood of water, but it'll be a flood of fire that comes and purges the earth. I don't know how many more hours. I don't know how many more days we have left. I've lived this all my life. I was raised under pews of churches. I've heard every preacher, I've heard every sermon you can almost hear talking about the coming of the Lord. God's already spoken. But don't be, don't, 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 don't uh, say, well, you know, I, I, I don't know if this is true because they've been preaching this all the way back from when Jesus walked on the face of the earth. And so for 2,000 years, we've been preaching God's coming soon. But don't be slack. The Lord's not slack. Concerning his promises as some men are. But the Lord is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And the only reason he's withheld that fire coming down is because he wants to give somebody else a chance to be saved. But there will be a point in which he did like for Noah. He said, I'm going to give you 120 years. We don't have that luxury of knowing the number of years. But God's spoken to us. And we have his word and he's telling us to build an ark. I can't build you an ark and you can't build me an ark. We've got to work out our own salvation according to the blueprints that he's given us. Now I'll tell you that, that, that there's, I think there's two options that the people of, 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 uh, of Noah's time had. Number one, they could have repented. And much like God spared Nineveh, they could have repented and God would have withheld that judgment and would have given them a few more uh, 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 times. Or, I wonder if someone could have got a hold of Noah and said, you know what, I want to know what you're doing. Why are you building this ark? Well, the Lord spoke to me. And that person could have said, God, what about me? Can I build an ark? Can I build something that will save me? Here's what the Bible says in John chapter 3 and verse 3. Jesus looked at Nicodemus and said, Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? And how can he enter a second time in his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, and listen, here's one of those blueprints. Here's one of those words from the Lord that says, This is what you got to do. Truly I say unto you, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That's the ark. That's the ark that you and I can run into. That's the blueprints that you and I can build. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Don't marvel that I say unto you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. And, and, the, the, and you hear it sound, but you don't know where it comes from. And so it is that everyone who is born of the Spirit, there's coming a day 
It's Acts chapter 2 and verse 37 when Peter walks onto that portico of that, that upper room and he begins to preach and he preaches that gospel, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when they heard it, they were pricked in their heart. They were cut in their heart. They were, they were convicted and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, what do we do? I long for the day that I can't even get through my sermon and someone says, what do I do? I long for the day that someone hears the word of God and doesn't even wait to an altar call is given but makes their way up because they're determined, I must be saved. Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words he uh, bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourselves from this crooked or this untowards generation. Now, we already know that up in the upper room, Peter had gotten the Holy Ghost. Later on, they had a baptismal party, and they baptized over 3,000 that day. At least 120 of them were those that were in the upper room. But you couldn't stand out there in that crowd and say, well, salvation has come. Let's go to heaven. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not yet seen, Moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness, which is by faith. If I could leave you with some words of Pastor Scott Phillips, one of our pastors in Mississippi. We were kind of discussing this Noah thing. He began to say this. You got to hear what Noah was saying. Noah may never have preached the way I'm preaching behind a pulpit. Noah may never have even uh, 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 tried to teach a home Bible study. He was too busy building an ark. It's the same thing that saved Noah. It's going to be the same thing that saved you. You got to hear the sermon that Noah was preaching. You got to hear the sound of a saw that over and over for, for, for years and decades and maybe even a century, for years the sound of that saw over and over because Noah knew what was coming. You got to hear the music of that hammer over and over as they pounded pegs into the ark. You got to smell the dripping and the drying of that pitching tar that would seal them from the waters of destruction. You gotta hear the message that Noah was preaching as the shadow of that ark began to rise higher and higher into the sky. That was gonna take shape to seal the deal. Gotta understand what Noah was thinking. There's coming a day there's coming a day. I'm not exactly sure what this rainstorm that God's talking about is. I, I've never seen it. I, I can't wrap my mind around how he's going to destroy the earth by a flood, but it's coming. It's coming. What woke Noah up in the morning was the fact that at some point God was going to open the heavens and the flood was going to come, and so Noah couldn't let rest one day. Hey Shem, hey Ham, hey Japheth, we got to get up. We still got another floor to put on the ark. Get your saw, get your hammer. We got to cut down a few more gopher trees. You got to get ready. 
when they went to bed dog tired at night and their back was breaking and their arms were aching they went to bed saying Lord we're that much closer to the coming of your judgment I gotta build an ark I gotta build an ark can you imagine these are things I'd never thought about can you imagine Noah sitting up there on one of those cross beams looking down as far as he could see on cities that were going to be lost oh I'm sure he was I'm sure he interceded for them I'm sure that he was broken that some of his own friends were going to be lost but listen to me he looked down on those cities around him he could smell the stench of the iniquity he knew the anguish and the violence and the, 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 what was going on. He, he looked at the world around him. But he was going to be safe. One of the biggest lies of the enemy. One of the big, biggest tactics of the enemy. Is to get you so concerned about the, the fate of those around you that you never make sure you're saved. How many of you have flown on an airplane before? I understand a lot of what they say is quite useless. As the airplane approaches the ground at 500 miles per hour, please put your head between your legs because somehow that's going to save you. As one comedian I heard said, they go to the airplane crashes and they find a bunch of headless people and they're trying to figure out what in the world happened. Some of that, I get it. But there's one portion of that safety instructions that is absolutely necessary. If any of you are flying with young children or people that require assistance, if there is a loss of cabin pressure, these ma oxygen masks will drop. Please put the oxygen mask on you first and then put it on your child or the one with you. Why do they say that? Because what purpose would it be if you're so busy trying to wonder if they're going to be saved that you never put it on yourself? It happens every time I go to a funeral. I've talked to people, they know they're lost. They know they're dying and going to hell. But they don't want to accept the salvation of God because in doing so will mean their grandma who didn't won't be there. I faced it in my own life. I faced it in my own family. And while I mourn for that and I long for that and I, I hate that, but at the end of the day, I, I can't matter. I can't, I, I can't help it if you're not ready or, or, or what. I just got to know I built an ark. Noah stood up there on the top of that ark and he looked down on that world and he could almost hear the thunder beginning to roll and he could almost hear the rumbling of the ground before the fountains of the deep burst up and he could almost see that day approaching but up there on that ark he was secure in this I'm doing what God told me to do and maybe no one else is but I'm going to keep building I'm going to keep pounding I'm going to keep sawing I'm going to keep working on the boat there's a cleansing flood coming but I've got a refuge. Scott Phillips wrote a song. I've been working on a big boat all the live long days. I've been working on a big boat that will help me sail away. Can't you hear the saw us singing? 
and I can hear it. I can see it. Maybe Noah didn't preach a message behind a pulpit. Maybe Noah didn't grab a, a, a Bible study chart and walk it. But I will tell you this, because Noah made sure he did what God told him to do, he had a place for he and his whole household that might be saved. Mama and Daddy, Grandma and Grandpa, Aunt and Uncle. Would it be that you would preach a message that you yourself would get into a place of salvation that would allow your family to see what is right and what is necessary. There's coming a day. And so it is for you. I hope you hear the heartbeat. I hope you hear the tears and the anguish and the intercession of your pastor. I know because God's word tells me there's coming a day of destruction. There's going to be a day, and, and, and it's going to happen a couple different ways. Number one, the Bible says that it's appointed unto man once to die, and then comes judgment. So some of us, we're never going to get to live until that trumpet sounds. What that means is, if you're waiting to, to, to see old Gabriel walk out there on that eastern sky and pick up a trumpet and you're going to somehow run and be saved at that moment, you may never get that chance. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be as morbid, I'm going to be as, as, as in your face as I can. For some of you, there's a heart attack coming. For some of you, there's a stroke coming. For some of us, there's, a, there's a, an accident waiting to happen. And at that moment, it's appointed unto man once to die and then comes judgment. And you don't know when that's going to happen. I don't know when the doctor gives me one of those diagnoses that shake me. But this is what I've got to know. I built an ark. I built an ark. Regardless of what comes, if, if tomorrow my life ends, if, if I get done preaching and fall down those stairs and break my neck, I can stand secure in the confidence of God. I built my ark. So for some of you, your, your eternity is going to come before that, that, that trumpet is sounded. But for others, we'll be there perhaps when... That trumpet sounds, and the Bible says when that happens, the dead in Christ are going to rise first, and then we that remain shall be caught up together with Him. And then there's this understanding that all of those that are not saved, all of those that never built their heart, all of those that never made their calling and their election sure, they're going to walk through a white throne of judgment. And the Lord is going to separate the sheep from the goats. He's going to separate the good from the bad. And for those of you that have walked in that salvation, he will say, welcome into your reward, my good and faithful servant. But for those who have not, he's going to look at you and say, depart from me. I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. Because you never built an ark. I can't build it for you. I can't do it for my wife. I can't do it for Zane or Zoe or Zeke. I can only build it for me. But I know that destruction's coming. I see it every day that I, I walk around this world and I drive in these cities. I see the end approaching. I, I can see it in His Word. I, I can start putting some of those prophecies together. He's coming soon, but I'm secure. Because I've been standing up on the beams of my ark and I can hear the waters of my baptism 
and I can hear the evidence of a spirit-filled life in the tongues that were given and I can hear the preparation of a holiness lifestyle being worked on. And I'm safe no matter the storm. I've built my ark, my salvation according to God's plan. I've been washed in the water. I've been washed in the spirit. I've been baptized in Jesus' name. I've made my calling and election sure. And you've got to do the same. I love each and every one of you. I've preached for the last 10 years with everything. I hope and pray that every message I've ever preached behind this pulpit has been with love and with kindness and never condemnation and never throwing a guilt trip on you. But listen, I can't love you into heaven. So let me make this very, very clear. If Noah built that ark with any deviation, from the plan of God, Noah would have failed and his salvation would have been useless. But because he built it exactly like God said, so high, so long, exactly three floors, here's where you put the door, here's where you put the, 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 the window. If he wouldn't have got the animals that, that God said get in there, he'd have messed up. So I'm going to tell you right now, here's the plan of salvation. As simply as I can say it, you must repent of your sins. That's that first beam that gets laid in that ark. Repentance is twofold. First off, it's a, it's a turning away from sin. Now you can't do that all on your own, but you have at least got to try God's grace doesn't just, it's not a doormat that you just wipe your dirty old feet and think you can enter into heaven. It's, it's not just one of those automatic showers you can pull and he washes that filth away. You've got to come to the realization that you're a sinner and the life you're living is going to send you straight to hell. And you've got to say, God, I don't want to live like that any longer. I want to live like you and I'm going to do everything humanly possible to do that. That's the first part of repentance. And the second part is, God, forgive me. Lord, I've failed you. I've come short of the glory of God. I've hurt you. Lord, you died for my sin, and then I've spat it back in your face in my rebellion to your word. God, forgive me. That's repentance. you got to build that ark. The second is you got to be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of sins. That baptism is not a sprinkle. It's not a splash. It's a complete immersion so that from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet, every sin that you've committed for your entire life goes under the water which represents the blood of Jesus Christ and it washes those sins away and you can be white as snow, the Bible says. If you were baptized in any other way, then you're making the ark wrong. I challenge you, look it up. Look it in the Word of God. If you didn't go under the water when you were baptized, then you need to re-examine the way your ark is built because the Bible says they went down into the water. There is a baptism. Even the word baptism comes from the Greek baptismo, which means to immerse, to submerge, to get fully wet. If you weren't baptized in the name of Jesus, if that pastor, if that preacher didn't say over you in the name of Jesus, I now baptize you, you've got the window on the wrong side of the ark. You've got the door on the wrong side and you need to make that right. And if you've never been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, 
Oh, how do you know you're filled with the Holy Ghost? The Bible says in that upper room when it first was poured out, said they all begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them evidence. It's how you're going to know and it's how this world is going to know that God's Spirit lives inside of you. The Holy Ghost is not just you saying, I love Jesus. The Holy Ghost is not signing some membership form at a church. It's a necessary component of your salvation. And the only way you'll know is if you have spoken in other tongues as the Spirit gives you utterance. If that hasn't happened, you're missing a floor of your ark. Three floors. Three commandments. Repent. Be baptized. Be filled with the Spirit you got to build your ark because there's coming a day. Would you stand today? I would so hate for you to hear the word of God and then for you to walk away and say as Felix did, I'll, I'll wait till I have a more convenient season. You'll never have a more convenient season than right now. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Right now is the accepted time. You'll never have another moment like you have right now because you're not guaranteed another moment. And so I'm, I'm asking, I'm imploring. you got to build an ark. When Noah built that ark, and he did it exactly like the Lord said, he could stand by that ark with a full assurance I've done what God's told me to do. I'm safe. And it drives me absolutely crazy when I hear people say, I don't know if I'm saved. That's the most ignorant thing I've ever heard of in my life. You can know that you're saved. The Bible said make your calling and your election sure. Can I just tell you today without any, any, any uh, pride or, or any arrogance, I can stand on this platform and tell you, Brandon Paul Buford, I know I'm saved. Why? Because I've done what God has required of me to do. And so if you're in this building right now and you don't know if you're saved, then the answer is simple. You're not. And you need to build an ark. And so I'm going to open these altars. And I think you need to come. In fact, I believe all of us need to come. The Bible says we just got to make sure. So maybe you need to come and examine the ark that you've built. Make sure the window's in the right place. Make sure the door's in the right place. Make sure you've done it exactly what God has said. Because I don't know when that day's coming. Build your ark. Would you come in the name of Jesus? As they begin to play and sing, would you come in the name of Jesus?